Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Over the past couple of years since we started this podcast, we've covered a few stories about some famous animals that have made a name for themselves in Lexington. For example, Lexington's town dog, Smiley Pete, and Alice, Henry Faulkner's goat. Today on the podcast, we will take you to Wilmore, Kentucky, where in the early 1900s, a bloodhound was born that was destined for a very honorable career. My colleague, Aaron West, has the story of Nick Carter, the detective bloodhound, and how he solved several perplexing mysteries. Needless to say, this was a very special Kentucky hound. Today, let's talk about bloodhounds. We'll talk about one bloodhound in particular, but let's start more generally. Bloodhounds are commonly called a nose with a dog attached because their senses of smell are so well-developed, about 1,000 times better than humans. Their loose, wrinkled skin helps to trap scent particles while their long ears help to sweep smells up into their nostrils as they drag the ground. According to an article in Nature in 2008, bloodhounds' scent tracking ability is so good that trailing results from a bloodhound are admissible in court, and their personalities are such that when they are on a trail, they will continue it to the end, some up to 130 miles, and can find a trail again if it breaks, meaning if you run through a creek, that's not going to get rid of your scent. Bloodhounds can follow trails over 300 hours old, which is over 12 and a half days. The American Kennel Club says, the world-famous sleuth hound does one thing better than any creature on earth, find people that are lost or hiding. An off-duty bloodhound is among the canine kingdom's most docile citizens, but he's relentless and stubborn on a scent. Bloodhounds are large, substantial dogs, standing 23 to 27 inches at the shoulder and weighing up to 110 pounds. Their most famous features are a long, wrinkled face with loose skin, huge, drooping ears, and warm, deep-set eyes that complete an expression of solemn dignity. Coat colors can be black and tan, liver and tan, or red. Powerful legs allow bloodhounds to scent over miles of punishing terrain. As pack dogs, bloodhounds enjoy company, including other dogs and kids. They're easygoing, but their nose can sometimes lead them into trouble. A strong leash and long walks in places where they can enjoy sniffing around are recommended. Bloodhounds are droolers, and obedience training these sensitive sleuths can be a challenge. Training is important. Successful tracking dogs have to have a predisposition to work with a handler, be eager to please, and have a strong play drive. According to Nature, disciplined and focused training from a dedicated trainer lets a bloodhound take full advantage of their abilities. But the Morning Herald on November 22, 1903, points out that just because a dog picks up a trail and successfully follows it doesn't mean that that dog has followed the correct trail. The person they find might not be the person they're supposed to be tracking. That's where humans come in. Why am I quoting an article from 1903, you ask? Because this episode is about Nick Carter. Not the Backstreet Boy, the Bloodhound. Born in 1900 in Wilmore, Kentucky, Nick Carter and his handler, Captain Volney Mulliken, together conducted searches in Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, both Carolinas, Virginia, Indiana, and of course, Kentucky. 
Over 400 of their criminal searches resulted in confessions or convictions, and in total, they searched for over 600 people. In one year, Nick Carter had 126 searches leading to convictions, and 35 that did not. The article doesn't mention if those 35 searches were acquitted in court or if the wrong person was trailed. Nick Carter was able to pick up trails after they'd been broken, often finding the right person in a crowd. Waiting in water to wash away one's scent wasn't effective either. Nick Carter was still able to find the person after crossing the water. Nick Carter was so good at his job that his handler was offered $1,000 for him, equivalent to just over $31,000 in today's money, and Captain Mulliken refused to sell him. His handler, Volney Mulliken, was just as persistent as his dogs in finding their marks. He's described in the Morning Herald profile on November 22, 1903, as determined, steady, a serious type whose face rarely changes expression and wastes no words in conversation. Quote, as a companion, Mulliken is a thoroughly good fellow. As an opponent, at least until criminals adopt flying machines, he is a man to keep at a distance. Sadly, Nick Carter passed away at the age of eight from spinal meningitis. Nine other hounds perished in the outbreak in the Mulliken kennels, but the majority of the dogs recovered. Nick Carter's obituary ran in the Lexington Leader on Wednesday, April 8, 1908. The obituary noted that Nick Carter's son, Nick Carter Jr., possessed many of the same traits that made Nick Carter a good hunter. He was expected to be able to surpass his father in skill and eventually replace his father as head of the Mulliken Kennels. Volney Mulliken died April 15, 1931, of the flu and pneumonia at the age of 60. His daughter maintained his kennel after his death. Let's end this episode by going over some of Volney Mulliken's and Nick Carter's most famous hunts. Probably the most famous feuding families in the United States are the Hatfields and the McCoys. In Captain Mulliken's obituary, it said that he and the dogs from his kennel helped to capture members of both families on the Kentucky-Virginia border, near Pikeville. Nick Carter hadn't been born yet, and the dogs he used were not named in the obituary. In Indiana, Mulliken and his dogs located a baby girl who'd wandered away from her father into the woods. She'd been missing for several days by the time the dogs were brought in, but was found safe and sound and returned to her family. In Knox County, Nick Carter found a trail for an arsonist and followed the trail for 22 miles. When the suspect was found, he confessed immediately. Volney Mulliken describes his longest chase as of 1903 in the Morning Herald feature article about him and his dogs. It's called A 50-Mile Chase. The longest chase I remember was 50 miles after the men who robbed the post office safe at Irvine. I got there at noon on the day following the burglary. The dogs were taken into the store. Both went abreast through the window by which the robbers, who had secured $511, made their exit. Their course was down the Clay City Road, through the hills, to a water gap. Here the trail was lost. After a delay of several hours, the scent was again found a mile up from the creek. From this point, the dogs carried the party to an old iron furnace when fresh signs of the safe blowers were found. From this on, the trail was hot for several hours, being over mountains and through valleys. 
Another stream was reached, and again the dogs faltered. Leading one on each bank, the trail was found, and the chase continued until midnight. Precipices made work in the dark perilous, and we waited until dawn. Inquiring at a house to which the dogs led, we learned that three men had asked for food at breakfast time. The chase ended about noon at a cabin on the railroad where a suspicious character lived. He was not at home, but was one of the three men subsequently arrested. According to the Lexington Leader of May 19, 1907, Benjamin Martin of Moorhead was shot at when returning home one evening. The suspect was a, quote, old enemy by the name of John Collins. Apparently, several attempts had been made on Martin's life to the point where he'd begun to stay inside at night and even moving to Lexington for a short period of time. He'd managed to escape the latest attempt by dropping to his stomach on a footbridge after hearing a noise like someone clearing their throat. Two shots were fired at him. He raised his own gun and fired five shots back at the form of a man running away. After that, Captain Mulliken was brought in to search for the suspect. The trail was broken by water, so the tracking was slow. The dogs finally arrived at the home of John Collins. Officers asked Collins if he could explain how his shoes, covered with wet mud, matched the shoe prints at the scene. Collins denied it, saying he couldn't have been in the water because of his rheumatism, but a pair of his pants were hanging wet outside of his home. He couldn't explain his shoes or his pants to anyone's satisfaction. Apparently, the Collinses and the Martins had been, quote, at the outs for a long period, and no little amount of trouble has arisen between the two, there having existed at one time a feud, end quote. John Collins was arrested two days after Nick Carter and his partner Jessamine successfully tracked him. The oldest trail, followed by Nick Carter, his partner Iva Bell, and Captain Mulliken, was in Clay County, Kentucky. A general store was burned down 44 hours before the dogs were called in, and arson was suspected. Responding officers placed planks over all the footprints to preserve the scent trail for the two dogs. The man presumed to have done it was known to be hidden and protected by his heavily armed family. So an additional 20 armed men joined Mulliken, Nick Carter, and Iva Bell. The dogs successfully picked up the scent from the footprints and followed the trail to a house where a man was hiding. The group was allowed to enter and search the house, and the dog signaled for the man's scent on his bed. A child in the house told Mulliken that the man had ridden away on horseback when the group approached. The man was found by the dogs, and he was arrested and put on trial. At the trial, someone shot Volney Mulliken in the side at the courthouse in Manchester. The article only says there were a number of thrilling incidents connected with the capture of the suspect, but these have no relation to the work of the dogs, with no thought for those of us curious here in 2022. In late August 1909, a man named Lewis Johnson was murdered. Johnson seemed to be the kind of man you didn't want to cross. He'd been convicted of killing his brother-in-law, but the conviction was overturned on a technicality. He'd just been rearrested on a weapons charge, and he was able to make bail. While out on bail for his weapons charge, Lewis Johnson apparently went to the home of Charles McMillan and threatened him by emptying his gun at his feet. After serving his 10-day sentence, he was killed on his way home from the jail, and Volney Mulliken and Nick Carter Jr. were brought in to search for the killer. 
They gathered at Johnson's home to begin the search, and Charles McMillan appeared there and offered to help with the search. The dogs found the scent and followed it half a mile to the store owned by Charles McMillan, then continued behind the store to the man's house. The dogs apparently did not signal Charles McMillan as the owner of the scent they were tracking. The details are a little fuzzy, but according to the article reporting reporting solely on Mulliken's return to Lexington after trailing for this crime, McMillan claimed that a woman had come to his house just before Johnson was killed, but when asked, the woman denied having come to McMillan's house. A heavy rainstorm washed away the footprints, and the investigating officers were satisfied enough with the dogs trailing to McMillan's house, so Mulliken and the dogs came back to Lexington. At the time of the article, no arrests had been made, but they also noted that one of McMillan's son was missing, perhaps fleeing to Canada, and suspicion in the killing had been directed toward the missing son. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about Kentucky's famous bloodhounds as much as we enjoyed researching them. Thanks for listening! Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.